We've started recording. We are now recording. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, I promoted a little bit of voice acting stuff I did. Last summer, actually, I recorded that. And it's for a podcast series using the Colombian Exposition as the backdrop and um, focusing kind of on H.H. Holmes and, and other historical figures on that event. I played a fictional character created just for the series called Soul Bloom, who is kind of a, a news radio broadcaster kind of covering some of the event. Uh, was a fun time to record. I do like doing voice acting in general. Um, would like to do more, intend to do more. I didn't write any of that, unfortunately, but I I did do the recording and everything. I didn't do the mixing, so the, some of the mixing's a little bit rough. I think, in my opinion, it's a little bit rough. Uh, other thing up there is the session we had here two weeks ago. Uh, you guys are more than welcome to post stuff up there and you know promote and share or talk about whatever you're working on. How are you? Doing okay. How about yourself? Yeah, just hanging out. Uh, really, basically just um, preparing to release my fictional short story that I've been working on. Um, I had spent about six months kind of getting it drafted last year. And then over the last couple of months, I've been kind of cleaning it up, making a few last minute tweaks. I did the audiobook reading for it a couple of weeks ago and have started working on the edits for that. So I have a first round of edits done. I may jump back in and do a character voice for one of the characters. I'm not sure, but uh, I'm rolling it around. I have plenty of time to decide on that, but I'll start releasing some of the promotional stuff around that project. Um, you know, very soon <laughs> before too long. How about you guys? That sounds really exciting, Michael. Wow. Um, for myself, I'm like 33% finished with uh, working on Strange Place, which is the, the picture book um, that I've been creating. And uh, it's more image-based, um, though there are like almost 6,000 words to it. So <laughs> it's a very short story. But a lot of fun, sort of crazy, sci-fi, far out, way out, yeah. strange stuff. Yeah. I like it. I like balancing the editorial with the pictorial stuff as well. So like my first three, well, yeah, well, two, I have, uh, let me say it this way. Three of my books are constructed the same way with heavy pictorial elements and, uh, you know, editorial to kind of balance things out. So I, I think it's a good way to go. How about you, Glassy? What have you been up to? I haven't talked to you in a couple of weeks, maybe a month. I don't remember the last time you were on. Before we started recording. I'm good. Uh, I'm currently in an accelerator program for awesome. building things in Bitcoin which is an interesting and fairly unexpected twist, but a really great thing. I just love being in learning mode and I've had just a wonderful host of 
teachers and mentors and whatnot to kind of just help sharpen my own understanding, product market fit, bringing a market. Like sometimes as an entrepreneur, you think you know it, you have experience, but you need like a different type of perspective. Maybe to get that last bit of a dial turn, like when you're getting it in focus, sometimes that little, that last little twist of the dial makes all the difference in getting the perfect shot. And it definitely makes all the difference in, in the world of being an entrepreneur in terms of having the right focus and having an understanding of what is needed or what people want or how to communicate it. So that's been really good. Uh, been doing a fair amount of writing too. Been building up some new articles on that subject matter, Bitcoin, building Bitcoin, bringing bit, bringing DeFi into Bitcoin and, and all these other really cool things that have been experimented with on the Ethereum side of things, which makes me feel like a little bit like I have the knowledge or, uh, like a soothsayer of like, I know it's, I know the future that's coming to Bitcoin because we just experienced it on Ethereum for the last few years. Yeah. I would say so coding yeah, counts good. as writing. So I haven't been coding cause I don't quite have that skill, but I have been soaking in immense amount of technical knowledge and working alongside the coders. I would say in addition to looking at what Ethereum did, I would look very heavily at what the BSV fork of Bitcoin has done as well, because that community since ordinals came out has been heavily involved with what has been occurring in that space. Uh, what is BSV? It is a fork of BCH. BSV. All right, I'm going to look into that. I can note. I probably talked about it back in the day when you were doing um, the morning sessions and stuff. Cool. What's up, Ghost? You're welcome to come up, hang out if you want. This is, um, you know, being recorded. So I'm putting these out as podcasts now. For any folks that follow my releases there, um, you know, I just find I did. I, you know, I wrote a fictional narrative too. Yeah, you talked about that Actually. a while, I think. Um, maybe no, I December. wrote it. I wrote one since we last spoke. Okay, cool. Tell it's us like about 14 it. chapters. Oh my god, and it's um, it's a story about these people that are mining into the earth and they expose this horrible chemical that starts making the children being born blind. And an inventor creates this these special goggles that allow them to like see and maneuver, but then it gives them like extra powers where they can start seeing through time and they can start manifesting things. And um, yeah, it's like the journey of this like, like narrow, like destruction of all civilization. Uh, and then being steered by these, this race of children that are able to see with these super goggles. Are you going to release it? I hope I do. I wrote that other book on immersive design and I didn't never release that. So why not? I don't know. I have a terrible habit of creating and not releasing. I have a terrible habit of making stuff and then releasing it maybe too rapidly. Well, we should work together. We balance each other out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm basically, um, yeah, it's a tricky thing, but even just to do the steps, I think the last time I heard from you and you were like, Oh yeah, you gave me such great pointed, simple uh, instructions, but I have not, I have not completed it. I, it's like that last 10% sometimes can be like <laughs> harder than the first 90%. Uh, yeah. Well, the thing for me on that last 10% is like basically writing down 
my release schedule and the tactics and materials that I need to get it all out there. And at this point, like with books, I kind of have a routine of stuff. So like with this ebook that I'm doing now, um, for the short story I did it, it, you know, I'm putting together a commercial for it. Um, you know, the press release material that goes with that and then all of the kind of promotional elements that, that come along with it as well. And making sure that I have all of those things staged in time for hopefully, you know, a March 1st, um, release. So the pre-order is now available. I haven't even done any promo about that. I just got it done in the last couple of days. Um, but what I wanted to do is get the video commercial done. So I recorded the voiceover for that today after tweaking the editorial, the copy, you know, that I'd read on there, just a a last round of tweaking. And, you know, the funny thing is I find when I'm doing readings that, um, that's kind of like my last proofing stage on copy and editorial because I will make a couple of changes most often as I'm reading it out loud uh, and just kind of like trying to be a little reflective on how that material feels um, as a listener, even though like I'm in that moment kind of just listening to myself reading it at the same time, like uh, it gives, it gives that just last, you know, little bit of time to reflect and say, am I actually conveying what I intend to here? Yeah, that's a great way to do it. Cause sometimes I think I'm like, when I'm alone, I'm like, this is the best thing ever. People are going to love this. And then I'll go to like either it could be a song I'm playing in front of a spaces or it could be some artwork to mint, to bring out like, this is the best thing I ever did. And then you bring it out to people and they're like, they just don't get it. But equally so, a uh, little bit of testing goes a long way. And I think that makes sense to have that point of reflection with other ears on it. You can kind of almost from an empathic place, get a sense if you need to sharpen it a little further or if, or if it's hitting like you want it to. Yeah. You know, and I don't know, you know, Terry, you've put out a lot of uh, releases book book wise, and I don't know kind of what your, processes for getting that stuff out into the world. I'd like to hear about it, but, um, you know, what do you typically do as you are getting ready to release and promote something? Oh, wow. So what I typically, typically do is start scheduling things like, like this, like a space or uh, what is it? LinkedIn office hours. Um, I mean, I like, I like basically I liken it to the um, the bookstore sort of um, uh, gathering kind of thing, the bookstore promotion. You know, when you're promoting your book, so I try to I try to put those together, schedule them, and the other thing is like just uh, you know getting my community, the the folks that have been supporting me for a while on my all my book endeavors. So letting them know they're in the know, they're the first to know um, what's coming out or what's due. And the, with this this book that I'm I'm working through, I, I've done something slightly different, which is give everybody sort of a taste of like how the the work is progressing, so that they can see and feel like they're a part of it and 
you know, give me some of their comments on whether it's working or not working and stuff like that. So they could feel like they're a part of the process. And then, then like you do, I, I basically figure out like, you know, is there a advertising, uh, to, you know, do I need to do, do I need to buy ads? Do I want to buy ads? I think my, my first book, I bought some ads, um, and it did okay. I, 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 I like the more organic sort of uh, grassroots way of marketing. That, that That's really helpful. I think that there's a lot of mineable territory in regards to promotion, you know, that takes time, but it gives you uh, much of the reach that shorthand or kind of like shortcutting with ads will give you. Um, so it's always kind of that trade off between time and money, but if you can create a routine and all of the assets that you need, then you can kind of like hack into that pretty quickly and, um, you know, get it in front of folks. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. The routine is good. I, I'm not. You know, so I don't schedule like, oh, I'm going to, you know, produce a book in six months or, you know, things like that. I, But I know some authors who are so regimented. They're like clockwork. You could expect their book to be released in October of every year. And you kind of look out for that. I, I'm, it's, I'm just not that good at being that regimented. Well, you do other things, too. And. I have been that way over the last, since 2019, when I put out my first book, I've been able to release a paperback every year. But a lot of that comes from the fact that between, you know, 2016, 2017, 2018, I was working on a big back catalog of editorial and pictorial content. So then I was able to kind of like think about, okay, you know, how am I going to put this into book form, paperback form, and get it ready to release that way. Now, uh, you know, I've run out of all of the material that I was working on at that point in time. And I kind of had to cheat it a little bit. So last year I put out a book that was basically just a reskin of a different book. And I, I did update some material in it and did, uh, add some material to it as well. But, you know, now I'm, I'm into new territory where, This year, um, you know, put out this short story in the next month uh, or so, and then the audio book will follow probably a month after that. Uh, This fall, I'm going to do volume three of the Exploring Our National Park series, but that is not old content. You know, that is, and the format is going to be different too with it. Um, I had taken a trip around the Southwest in uh, 2022. And all of that trip is going to be one book as opposed to with the previous two, I basically had gone to, you know, 15 parks or whatever at the time and, and just kind of went through all of the, you know, social media posts and blogging that I'd done and decided like, okay, this collection is the most done currently. So I can, I can kind of clean this up, polish it up and get it out. And then I'll come back around to the leftover parks and, and do that for volume two. 
I have another book project that I'm thinking I can do for next year. Um, I have not even begun the manuscript on it, but I do have like a rough, a rough draft in the sense that like I've done social media posts, um, that will become that, that manuscript. And I haven't even, you know, grabbed them all up the way that I normally do. But, uh, you know, hopefully in the next couple of months, I'll start doing that. And, you know, I'm curious, Michael, what, so your, your books do, what, like what percent exist in fiction and what percent exist in nonfiction? Um, I would say everything is currently nonfiction except for the audiobook exclusive I did uh, last year in the spring. Hey, what's up, Julianne? You're welcome to come up as well. Um, and that was one short story that I had written. And when I say short, I mean really short. It's like 1,200 words. Um, and I decided I was going to do it as an audiobook exclusive. So I did the reading. Then I did an audio play kind of uh, with sound effects and stuff like that. That's my only fiction that I have out currently. Uh, this next piece that I'll put out in March, that'll be my second fiction and a legitimate short story in, in that way. So it's like 3000, 3,100 words, somewhere in that vein. And then uh, I will do the audio book to follow up on that. So really only those two will be fiction. I am working on more fiction, but uh, you know, my goal is to get the first story out with that next year. That'll be like 6,000 words is kind of my, my goal for that. And I'm about, I'm, I think I'm about 2000 words in right now. So uh, I'm a slow writer, you know, so I have to keep like multiple things kind of, uh, multiple irons in the fire and, and work on them kind of like in tandem until I get something that has some sort of shape to it. And then once it, it has enough kind of shapeliness to it, then I really focus on that and, and really hammer on that and, and get it turned out. I have, you know, deadlines for myself in mind. So I know to give myself a lot of time <laughs> so that I can, uh, process it and um, hopefully get it in shape. In what, which genre do you, do you enjoy writing? Like, is it the fiction or the nonfiction? Uh, you know, so my background in like print was all nonfiction stuff. Uh, you know, I did a print publication uh, that was kind of like a, uh, entertainment bar and nightlife thing for a long time. And then I worked for a few other editorials, uh, periodicals and stuff like that. Um, so the, you know, that semi journalistic angle is probably what I've spent the most time on. And then also client work, you know, in that sense, I've done a lot of writing, um, you know, that's, that's more copy than fiction. Uh, fiction's really hard for me to, to be honest with you. It, it takes me a long time. I've done, uh, the amount of research that I did for the short story I'm preparing to release. I probably wrote as much, uh, research wise as what I ended up as what will be in that actual release. 
to be, to be honest with you. And coming up, you know, the short story that I'm working on for next year, I'm doing a, a massive amount of research for that as well. And my outline for it was extremely detailed as I've begun to write and kind of the, the world building that I've done around it to make sure that I stay on task and on focus with like the, the individual characters and the factions was pretty extensive. Like I've written a lot, a lot, a lot about all of the stuff that I am actually trying to write the story about in advance. I don't know if that's a good way to do it, but that is what I have done. Hey, what's up, Cher? You are welcome to come up and talk and hang out. Uh, you know, I'll pass you an invite as well. Uh, this is very much an open space. These are recorded. I do release them as podcasts. You are welcome to promote and talk shop anything you like. This is uh, this is not um, this is not any sort of kind of a holding court type of scenario. Um, you know what? When I accepted the invite, it cuts out, so I don't know what you said. I'm sorry. Oh uh, yeah, for I was just saying, like you, you're welcome to to talk shop or promote or anything like that. So, you know, we don't feel that, uh, this isn't the sort of thing where it's like, uh, you talk and then I talk ideally, you know, the three of you guys will be talking more than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I just popped into, um, you know, I'm a writer and, uh, artist and some other stuff. So I just, I saw the space in the title earlier and I, I think it was this one earlier and I, I said a reminder or whatever. I, I saw it pop up right now. And so I just wanted to see what, what you guys were talking about. Yeah. We're hanging out. Uh, if you have something to promote, you know, feel free. You can post it up into the jumbotron. Uh, you can tell us about your process. You can tell us what you've got out released or planning to release anything like that. Tell us about you. Okay. Well, I am a 55 year old woman in Oregon, USA. And I've been a lifelong artist and writer. And uh, I got into uh, NFT art a couple of years ago, so dabbled a little in, with crypto. And um, But I found that there's certain things about the blockchain that I think are very useful or could be very useful if done right for uh, some things to do with writing and publishing. And so uh, my husband and I, who he is a... Uh, He's a senior um, developer for an international company. And so, you know, he knows how to code and stuff. And so we have, uh, we're just soft launching it right now. But one of the things in like all the different writing groups that I pop in and out of that everybody complains about is when they have ebooks, is all the pirating of them. And that um, it's very hard to get them taken down and, and they just, you know, get moved. So a lot of people had stopped doing ebooks altogether. So when I was self-publishing my books, I, I didn't do ebooks because I was like, well, I don't want it pirated. But my husband and I actually came up with a gated environment um, so that it's it's wallet read. But when you read the the digital books, the ebooks, the NFT books, whatever they want to be called, um, that they can't be copy-pasted, they can't be downloaded, they can't be right-click saved. Uh, only a super good developer might be able to get in there and and possibly access something. But 
the main ways that piraters are stealing digital books, uh, we've pretty much made it impossible for them to do that. And um, so I'm hoping to start talking to some of the different, you know, um, authors, indie authors particularly, um, and talking to them and seeing if they want to try to, you know, use this gated environment. Um, and it, it, there's no subscription fee or, or anything like that. Um, I'm not trying to get rich with it. I'm trying to solve a problem, uh, in the, you know, for writers like me. So, um, it's kind of interesting, but other than that, I, I make a lot of art and write a lot of articles and, um, and books. Pretty How cool. about you? Uh, yeah, I've got a couple of books out working on releasing, uh, what I consider to be my first traditional fictional short story here in the next month or so, um, with an audio book. And then, uh, I'll do another piece on national parks in the fall, which will include a series of videos as well. So I've put out, you know, uh, videos for each of the volumes in the past. And this one I think is going to be the, the most dynamic and interesting of all of those. So it, it kind of goes around a two week trip that I took in 2022, uh, visiting different parks and camping out and hiking and taking a bunch of video of some of the feature elements of the parks. And, um, you know, very much looking forward to seeing how it shapes up because it will be uh, considerably different than the previous two. So that's, you know, kind of what I'm working on right now. That sounds amazing. I've, uh, I just recently put out a, a book explaining to people that NF, art NFTs is just art and trying to teach people in the uh, NFT world how to do, you know, real world stuff with their art. Um, but I've been working on a memoir uh, about my my foster sister who was killed when I was six years old and it was this weird family secret and it took me 50 years to finally unravel it and it is an incredible story and so that's been kind of my my baby pet project for the past year and so you know you sound very attached to this project that you're doing that's the only reason I mentioned the memoir um your project sounds amazing I can't wait to see the video and the imagery yeah uh, it, it'll be, um, you know, how I'm going to do the video release in the, in the past I had in, let me, let me phrase it this way. Originally I had intended to put it out on Amazon. Uh, I have a documentary out on Amazon and after I put that out and was preparing the first series of parks videos, they changed their policy and I was not able to get it approved by them, unfortunately. So those are on Gumroad, but if you're interested, you know, you can find them, uh, through my website or whatever, but this next one, uh, again, like it's going to be very different than the way that those earlier ones were, because it was a lot of still photography and, um, you know, a little bit of video, whereas this will be primarily video. Um, when I was out on this trip, I made sure to capture a lot of video, which, you know, when I was haphazardly traveling in the past to parks, I wasn't necessarily thinking like, Oh, I'm going to put together books. Um, this time I, I was so, you know, approached those adventures a little more, uh, intentionally this time around. 
That's awesome. I, you know, I, I have a, I worked in media for more than 20 years and um, I just have a mind where everything I see, I see potential of something also being a creative. And um, so, yeah, I would, I would have been videotaping everything and probably wouldn't have got me per, probably wouldn't have got much because I don't know that I have that kind of an eye, but yeah, um, I'll, I'm going to look it up. I want to see the documentary that you have on Amazon and, and stuff like that. Thanks for telling me about it. Yeah, it's about the Columbian Exposition in 1893, which was held in Chicago. Um, actually just released an updated version using artificial intelligence, too. And hopefully in the next, let's say, four or five months, we'll have some more announcements uh, associated with that as well. But, yeah, that's interesting. You know, I dabbled a little bit with some AI art just for a children's book to kind of ease children into AI and, you know, blockchain stuff as far as just, you know, it's part of their lives like we did with computers, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, the AI, man, isn't it crazy just like even in the last six months how it's just exploded everywhere. It's like every site you go on to for anything is like there's an AI component now and it's crazy. It's wild. It's cool. <laughs> Speaking of which, Terry released a book on AI for brands and it came in. Uh, I did get your book. Good. Oh, that's good. You got the signed copy, right? Yeah, thank you. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm glad you got it. Yeah, I, I did. Um, I worked with, this is the first time I actually worked with a couple of different authors, so co- co-authors. So it, it was a really good experience, you know. Um, and uh, the book did really well. Oh, my God, the the first month we released it, I I just couldn't believe the number of people who were interested in it and were getting it. So, and I, I'm hoping it helped. I'm hoping, I really am hoping it helped. But it's it's uh, interesting that you were talking about, you know, changing, you know, some of the, the books that you have out there. And this is the one book that I have to really actually create a schedule for so that I can do the updates to it. So that the new information, so that's always fresh and not, um, you know, something that somebody will point to and say, oh, yeah, this was 2023 when <laughs> things have changed a lot since then. But, yeah, I, you know, um, it's funny. We were talking a little bit about fiction versus nonfiction. And, you know, the, the business books come very easy to me. I could do those very quickly. But when it comes to like writing like short stories or even more involved stories like uh, Laundry Gate, which is a sci-fi story that I wrote, like the next volume is coming out and it's taking me a long time because I don't know about you. I just get into this zone and and I just love like, you know, thinking about the characters and working them out and just kind of having that experience where it flows, where the business book, it's like, oh, it's about the outline and being very, you know, direct in certain areas, you know, do adding your research and making sure you have frameworks and all that stuff. So I don't know. It's I, I want to say it's a slightly less creative for me, but um than the uh the the fictional stuff. Anyways. 
that's so cool, Terry. I, I, I want to, I want to see, I want to read your book now for sure. Um, you know, spending all the time I did in media and branding businesses, I'd be interested, uh, in seeing, you know, kind of the evolution of that. Um, for, for me with writing, I, I, I am also, I find, you know, the more technical, you know, side of writing, I find it easier. It's stuff I can do quickly. I like teaching, um, especially about marketing and doing things or, you know, that sort of stuff. The memoir, because it's a true story, I, I literally had to do a massive investigation. It was really bizarre. Um, and, and like I said, it's an incredible story. But uh, as far as creative writing, for me, that's something that when I was really young, I used to, you know, write stories all the time, but it's something that I kind of fell out of. And I recently decided that and and began starting to put together a collection of uh, dystopian short stories just to kind of start doing a little more creative writing. So, yeah, it's, it's so different, all the different uh, genres and, and the approaches to them and how they can engross you. Do, doing the 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 autobiography and and I'm I'm so sorry about your your sister. Um, it must be it must take on like a a different sort of. I'm fascinated. Like, how do you start to do something like that? How do you put that together? Like, do you have like a framework that you work from? Uh, a timeline, things like that. I'm really that's fascinating. Um, you know, I have to tell you, it's, it, it is truly one of the most difficult uh, things I've ever written. And I think because it's so personal to me, um, what had happened was, is I had started just putting together an autobiography for my kids. I have a, I have a lot of health issues and, um, you know, my parents are gone and I know there's still questions I wish they could answer, you know. So um, not only did I do, you know, genealogy for them, but I wanted to just kind of give a history of myself and, you know, their family, but it kept coming to this thing about my sister. And, you know, it was just the weirdest thing growing up after she passed away because I had thought she was my real sister until after she died when I was six. Then I was told that she was my cousin uh, through my father's uncle, but that wasn't actually true either. Um, and so, but that was pretty much all the information I could, I, I was given. And the way she died, I was also not told the truth about, which I can understand as a child, but as an adult, it made no sense to me because I would ask about Vicky all of the time and, you know, with everybody, it, you know, in the family. And it was just a lot of either change the subject or like really vague kind of non-answers. And so it, the older I got, the more frustrated it was. And, you know, I, I'm a former journalist, so, you know, I have that nose to want to know. And so I, I just couldn't find anything. The only last name that I had for her was my father's uncle's last name. And so when the Internet came about, that brought me no results because that wasn't the actual name either. And uh, on a fluke last uh, spring, almost a year ago, um, talking to my stepmother who's on her way out because everybody's passed. Um, I, 
she had mentioned, I'm like, are you sure you don't, my dad never talked about this. There's nothing that I said, it might seem insignificant to you, but it could, you know, one little thing could help me. And she's like, well, there, there was this rumor that Jim and Sandy had murdered somebody in Las Vegas. And I was like, well, that's something to look up, right? And so um, I had recently learned that Jim's name was, wasn't even Jim. It was David James Markley. So I had a subscription to newspapers.com because on an offshoot, I was also working on compiling information for a book about my husband's uncle, who was a drug smuggling pilot for pa- Pablo Escobar. And um, he didn't believe the stories because it was just stories he heard as a kid, but I researched it all. And so I had this subscription. So I thought, well, I'm going to look up, you know, a murder in Las Vegas. And I hit pay dirt. The story came up and and the, the first story that actually came up was the story about my sister's death. And it was the first time that I had ever known anything close to the truth um, and all of that, but it had her actual last name in it. And that was all I needed. Once I had her last name, I was able to find a lot of stuff. I found, uh, so she was my foster sister. Um, She came to our family when I was just before one years old and she was with us until before, right before I turned six. And um, I found her, some of her biological siblings who I've gotten very close to. They're all in their seventies. They're very supportive of me writing this book. But one of the things interesting about the book and how I put it together was it was truly an investigation. I used every tool at my disposal that I could afford if it cost. And, you know, I was just talking to people, you know, calling libraries and historical societies because the story takes place in seven different states. And it was just a crime spree, one thing after another, from counterfeiting to murder to um, lots of robberies, grand larceny, you name it, they did it. Um, And so, not my sister, but they did use my sister in a lot of things and their other children. But through the other children, I found out the real story of what her life had been like before she came to us in foster care and the the brief time after us before she died. And a big part of the story takes place in Detroit's uh, infamous Cass Corridor. And um, because I had been posting that I was writing this book and, you know, just putting questions on social media about Cass Corridor, um, looking for people that also lived there during the, you know, the mid to late 60s. Uh, I was, uh, the Detroit News got a hold of me and um, they did a big front page story on me writing this book and I hadn't even written it yet. <laughs> it was really kind of uh, funny, exciting for sure. But they, they sent a photographer, um, a freelancer, because I'm in Oregon and obviously they're in Michigan. Um, and they did a photo shoot, the whole nine yards, and it was crazy. But the reporter has been a wealth of information for me as far as um, connecting me with people that lived there during the time frame. He lived there during the time frame himself, and um, and some of the places are long gone, and particularly a place called the Avon Hotel, which was not really a hotel. It was a um, you know, it's, it, it was it was turned into a homeless shelter, but it was also several floors were for hookers um, from the corner bars. But so basically, I just uh, 
I really started putting together a timeline because the siblings, because of their health and their age and all the trauma in their lives and all the moving, their memories are very um, spotty, to say the least. Like they can remember the incidences very clearly, the things that happened, but they struggle with the when and the where. And so I was able to find documentation, you know, through things like ancestry documents and other searches and old phone book searches. And like I said, historical societies. And I was able to piece together addresses that gave me timelines for where they were and how and when they were crisscrossing the country tied to crimes that, you know, the adults had done. And so just putting together this timeline, I think was the hardest, aside from the emotion, the hardest part because of you know, I really had to recreate everything and um, so that I can tell an accurate story. But th- there's so much involved in the story that I felt it's interesting enough people might read it. I think I answered your question. I'm sorry. Uh, you did indeed. Wow. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's very in-depth. Uh, wow. Oh, so much. <laughs> Definitely my experience as a journalist uh, helped, (laughs) you know, I mean, I I knew kind of how to go about an investigation. So, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's been a wild ride. You know, I hope, I hope to be able to finish the book. Um, I'm just going to self-publish it because I don't know how much longer the, I call them the siblings, but her, you know, the the 70 year olds are, are going to be around. So once I finish it, I'm just going to go ahead and self-publish it so they can have it in their hand. Yeah, I like it. Honestly, I think um, it's kind of wild where we find stories and those pieces of stories that we latch on to to write about. And I think when it's personal, as what you are recounting is, there's something very similar about kind of finding the end of the thread, right? And being able to pull on it until you do reach the end of that. Uh, I, I think you found the end of it. No. I, I, you know, I think, I think so. Um, I, I feel very confident now in, in most of the details. There's a few little things that are still in limbo. Uh, There's two things that I, that I want, that I want to do is one in July of this year, it'll be 50 years since she died. And at that point, um, I would be able to access, uh, obviously pay for them, but her foster care records for California for when she was with us. Um, So I'd be very interested in that because I I know how she ended up into foster care. Now I do. I didn't until, uh, you know, this this past year. But um, I never, once I knew she was, you know, my foster sister, I never understood how we got her or you know, like you said nobody would talk about anything um i didn't i didn't even know if she had been buried or cremated this is how much nobody spoke of anything and um it, like i said it's a really involved story because her family and my family were very very intertwined these siblings that i talk about of hers um all but one knew my parents and two of them had actually 
uh, lived with my parents and my grandparents a couple times. So um, it, it's just really interesting. Uh, there were plenty of adults in my life growing up that could have told me a lot more than than was ever said to me. And um, now that I know the things that had happened, I, I, I see why they didn't want them to be public knowledge. But when my sister was you know, 10, 11, and 12 years old, they, the, the parents, the parent and step-parent would, um, they would take her to the local little bars in the cast corridor. They'd dress her up like a sexy woman. And, and she was a very pretty girl and they would have her dancing on the bars while men would throw, you know, drunk men throw money at them. And and that was making a living for them. Um, I, I mean, there was just a lot, a lot of exploitation and trafficking and, um, it was just, like I said, all this stuff came, you know, very rapidly at me once I started, you know, pulling that thread. So now I'm kind of like, I took a break over the holiday. Um, it was a lot of emotion. I needed a break and I had a lot of stuff going on with my own family. And so I'm back at it again. And, um, I feel pretty fluid now going forward. And I think just some little filler things here and there. And I, you know, I think everybody that has some sort of a story like this probably thinks, Oh, it would great make a great movie. But I really do think that this would make a really good movie because it's so involved, so complex, the things that the storyline is, is, is wild. It's just really wild. And I feel Everything that I found out just tore me up and broke my heart, but I'm so much better off and, and happy to know the truth. Yeah, very interesting for sure. Do you know kind of how long you're going to give yourself to get it put together? Well, so I am about 49,000 words in. Wow. So. Yeah, so I'm 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 at least halfway. I, I'm shooting for about seventy thousand words um, for this, and we'll see how it goes when it ends. But I'm kind of one of those people that I I can't help myself. I edit along the way, <laughs> so um, by the time I get to the end of it, um, it'll be a pretty clean edit, and, and then of course get an editor to do their thing. But I'm really hoping that by the end of summer that I'll at least have it in an editor's hands, if not already have done that and self-published it. That's that's my goal. Because again, I feel like there's a it's part of my language, but I feel a fire under my ass because the siblings are old and very unhealthy. Um, one of them has cancer and is going through treatment right now. He's 74, uh, actually just turned 75. Another one's been in and out of the hospital for months, um, having heart problems. And then the other one has had a leg amputated and possibly the other one because of diabetes. And again, all in their seventies, all unhealthy. I don't know how much longer they're going to be here. So really trying to do it and get it done well, but quick. Got to get it out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, really, honestly, these, these, these kids had never, they're, I call them kids, but they, they had never spoken of these things before. And so they have just poured their entire lives out onto me. And like, I feel like this grave responsibility now. And, you know, it was already heavy for me personally, but to take on all of their, you know, um, 
trauma and stuff. Uh, and it's like to them, they've all like, this has been so therapeutic and they're so grateful. And, you know, that they talked to the reporter in Detroit as well. Uh, and, and were interviewed for the story and they, you know, once it came out, they were like, we're starting to get justice for Vicky, you know? And so uh, it's, it's just, it's interesting, but I, I am so grateful to now, I, we will likely never be able to see each other face to face because I can't travel and they're too old and not well. So we'll, you know, we're, we're going to be, we're stuck with our phone calls, but I do feel like they're family to me now. And, um, you know, I just hope I do it justice. I want to give some meaning to something, uh, not just to her life, but, you know, to all the other people that went through this, this sort of thing. So. Yeah, really quickly, uh, thank you for sharing your story. David, if you are interested in coming up and hanging out, talking shop, talking about anything that you're working on as a writer, uh, this is an open space. It is not in any way uh, you know, restricted or, or gatekept. You're, you're more than welcome to talk about anything that you are uh, pushing forward with in terms of writing. And uh, we use that term pretty loosely. Uh, I write a bunch of different stuff that kind of falls into all sorts of formats. So I welcome anybody to, to do the same. For the other folks, you know, what goals do you have for this year? Glassy, I know you, have some material you, you uh, material you've worked on that's sitting in the hopper. Are we going to see it? Is it going to come out? You know what? I, I have a bad habit of doing like complex things or jumping ahead in the maze and um, sometimes skipping over the fundamentals and hearing the wealth of kind of just information and experience that was just shared. What I picked up on is I need to make a slightly different goal which isn't just like the finish line of publishing, which is good. I do need to put that in like somewhere I need to have like a deadline of definitely publish. But I think I need a smaller goal of I need to find an editor. I think I need a partner in crime and I need an editor for some fresh eyes to maybe. Yeah, I think that's the main thing that I need. And that might be the, the bigger hurdle than actually feeling confident about releasing my work is at least doing it in a professional process where I know that the work coming out is, is going to be of the highest caliber possible. So I think an editor is actually my goal, maybe not for the whole year, but probably a, a, a shorter term goal. Find one that, that I vibe with. That makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And editing takes different formats as well. There are editors that are more developmental and then there are editors that are more uh, linguistically focused, making sure that, you know, you're dotting your I's and crossing your T's and using commas or semicolons properly and all that sort of thing. So it might be worthwhile to do a little bit of research on the type of editor that you want. Um, and then the, further down the road, there's what are called um, literary agents and like that part of the process of getting somebody to shop your material to publishers, if you're not going to self-publish is, you know, something that I have not gone through because it's a long cycle of things. If you want to just get your material out into the world, waiting 
for what potentially might be an additional two years for, uh, you know, an agent to either find uh, a publisher or just work through the X number of rejections that that, you know, might come along with can be kind of daunting too. Uh, then maybe if you find the right editor, they might be able to be a, a stepping stone to a literary agent. If they have a good, you know, established track record, they, they might be able to open that door to a lit agent who already has a relationship with a publisher. So those kind of things are at least worth researching, if not necessarily, you know, going down that whole line. Um, I have too many friends that have written, invested a lot of effort into writing and then have not gotten the workout, turn, turn the workout or released it in any capacity. Um, unfortunately. Yeah. I need to cross the threshold one way or one way or another. I think it's critical to, to get it out there. So I, I could say that's definitely a goal to at least publish something this year and maybe to publish multiple things. Um, but yeah, just to put it into another perspective, I created or started, I should say, two other graphic novels too. So I'm like dabbling in that way and probably have like several hundred pages laid out. Wow. Um, but yeah, that that's a longer term project. Yeah. That's it's like, oh, I'll do this. Oh, I'll do a book. <laughs> And I'm like, you know, this this graphic novel thing is way harder than I thought it was going to be. Uh, I think a novel. Let me let's get us let's do it. Let's knock a story out. And I did in like a weekend. Um, I just head down. That's kind of where I'm at. I like the what the other speaker was saying. How you're like, I edit as I go. So by the time I'm done, it's a pretty clean edit. I'm pretty much on that. Um, I'm on that school. I can't go back and re-edit a thousand times. I'll lose my mind. I do a little bit of editing as I go. Um but I'm not, I don't like drill down into it too much. Um, just by the nature of like my process being slow, I'm looking over stuff a lot and kind of reworking things or sometimes like I, the other day I was, you know, I was working on this new short story and I wrote a sentence and then I realized that I had already written a sentence that basically already does that like two sentences later because I jump around. I don't work in a tonally uh, linear way. I'll do because this is heavily outlined. I'll kind of jump around to whatever attracts me at the time. Or if I have an idea about something that kind of pops up, then I can insert that in there and, um, you know, focus on, on that scene for a little while. And if I get 200 words, I'm, I'm happy. (laughs) That's, that's like, you know, a pretty good day for me. I know for me, I I go and I'm a binge writer, just like with creating art. So I can go a few days without writing anything and then I'll sit down and I'll write like 3000 words and like, okay, I'm good for the week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I don't even know if I've ever written 3000 words in a day that wasn't for like a report or something like that. Uh, You know, I try to, pace myself decently. If I know that I have like a deadline or whatever, then I'll get my first initial ideas out onto whatever and have that there. And then, 
you know, day after day, I'll kind of return to it and build it up a little bit more and maybe do some editing, move some things around, uh, turn some words and phrases into full sentences or try and put some headlines into things and, and try and like continually craft and, and mold it and shape it into uh, uh, something that's a little more like built out and cohesive. That's and and I wouldn't necessarily call that editing. I think of it more as my writing process, but it is, you know, editing in a sense because there are some things that get wiped out, some things that um, get uh, mutated and things like that too. So, it, you know, it's just, that's just how I do it. Maybe because of having spent a lot of time with music and working with, you know, DAWs and having that capacity to edit music in a nonlinear way as you're recording, I kind of bring some of that over to my writing process too. Cause I, you know, as a kid, I, I didn't really write a lot at all. Um, I, you know, for school, but I wasn't writing creative things or short stories or fiction or anything like that. Um, I wrote songs as a teenager and lyrics and like things kind of work the same way. If you demo something out, then you can kind of jump in there if you're working digitally and you can chop things up and, and move things around and see how you like it. But also working digitally with editorial is to me the same thing. So I'll get a rough draft down digitally and then print it out and then I'll work by hand off of that and kind of, you know, get more ideas out or do some editing and, and um, you know, just kind of work through the material that's there. But Hey, We've been here for approximately an hour. Uh, are there any final thoughts from anybody or things you didn't get to touch on that you feel are critical to get out there? Oh, where do you find an editor? Uh, yeah, well, you know, there are websites that you can find editors, uh, individuals. You can find them here on Twitter. Uh, here's another one that I think is a really useful practice also is using beta readers, getting your friends to look over the material. Um, you know, say you have like a handful of chapters, you could kind of hand out chapter by chapter to different people or chapter by chapter to one person and have them work through that material as well. Um, you know, I've done that with different stuff in the past. I might do that with the exploring our national parks series as well, but I'm kind of a little far along with that. I don't know if I have the time to do that at this point, but we'll see. Um, yeah, that would be, you know, two, two of the ways that you can go about it. I would say, you know, search developmental editor or, um, you know, I don't just literary editor, fiction editor, um, and, and look through that now with like lit agents, there are websites for lit agents who manage what is called a query. That's the technical term for when they're basically, um, repping a work to, uh, a publisher. David, I can add to that real quick before we go. Um, there's going to be three main co uh, kinds of editors that you're going to look at. That's the developmental editor that Michael was talking about. 
And then you also have a copy editor and a line editor. And they are three different kinds of editors. And so you likely would be working with three different people if you did all three. Um, and as far as literary agents, depending on the type of book, the genre of book, they you don't want to query them. And uh, if, if you're doing a memoir, you don't query them until after you've written the whole thing. But if you're writing another type of book, then um, they usually want you to have at least a couple chapters before you query them, but they don't want the book completed because they want to help guide you. Um, but they will, a literary agent is not going to help you with editing or anything like that. They're basically going to represent you to publishers, traditional and small presses, to try to shop your book. And that, that can take years. Um, so depending on what you want to accomplish, what your ultimate goal and intent is, um, you may want to go a, a self-publishing route. Um, and, and traditional publishing is a lot different now than it used to be. Not only is it much harder to get a traditional publisher, um, but you know, the perks that, you know, we think that are there really aren't. And as far as the marketing of it, you still have to do most of your own marketing. So one thing that you need to start doing now, if you're serious about doing the book, is you need to start building a following. I suggest blogging. Take something like Substack, where you're, where it's a newsletter and you're able to create an email list. Build that email list because that's going to be critical for you when you do have a book that's launched and you get people interested. Now we have the ability to do interactive things. So briefly, in my case, with the memoir about my sister, I have created an interactive map by the decades, starting from the um, the birth of the parents forward with all the different crimes and where they were on layers of a map. So I can bring my potential readers and fans and followers along with me along the way of my investigation. And then once the book is out, that's something that people would have as an interactive as well. So you have to think creatively out of the box. If you use any kind of AI for anything, you need to be sure to disclose it and, um, you know, go from there, but good luck. I love it. Thank you so much for all that info. Uh, these are really nice sessions, Michael. I appreciate you putting them together. Sometimes I'm totally caught up, but even then my alarm goes off and I'm like, oh, dang, I can't jump in. No, uh, but yeah, I'm glad I was able to catch today. And uh, yeah, these, it's just nice to be among other people that have a bit more experience, right? It's the best way we can learn and be encouraged along our way. Yeah. So the next session will be February 21st. Uh, you know, I'll schedule that out again uh, before too long here. I need to get better at making it, uh, it's scheduling them earlier so that there's more uh, pre-promo, I suppose. But as it is, this episode is recorded and will come out maybe in the next week or two. It'll come out before that next uh, chat session so that I can, you know, put it in here for folks. So, you know, if there are ideas that you liked, you know, you can always revisit them on the podcast that way. But uh, as it is for today, enjoy the rest of your day and, uh, you know, keep writing and we'll talk before too long.